In a society and culture which tends to have us overworked and overstimulated, our overall being becomes strained. We turn to sleep as a means to relieve our fatigue, unaware that there are other components at play. In today's episode, I speak with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, and award-winning author. Her numerous books include her bestseller, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which entails insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, overcome burnout, and live your best life. In our discussion, we break down these seven types of rest. Don't miss out on this beneficial topic. Stay tuned. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. Did you know that the concept of holistic rest dates back centuries? In ancient civilizations, from the Greeks to the Egyptians, rest was seen as a sacred practice, vital for both physical and mental well-being. Throughout history, creative geniuses like Leonardo da Vinci and Albert Einstein found inspiration during moments of rest, championing the benefits of naps, one of my favorite pastimes. But what does science tell us about holistic rest? Well, modern research reveals that it's not just about sleep. It encompasses mindfulness, relaxation, and rejuvenation in mind, body, and spirit. So whether you're seeking to improve your sleep, manage stress, or unlock your creative potential, Gems in this episode is your guide to the various dimensions of rest. Let's get into the episode. Close friend and I were having a conversation about rest and how sometimes even we're catching up on sleep, we don't fully feel rested, either mentally or emotionally. And she shared with me how she came across this article about the work that you've been doing, about the seven types of rest that you advocate for. And I told her, okay, yeah, go ahead and send that to me. And I read the article and we discussed it after. And I was like, more people need to hear this. Of course, in this society or in a society for a long time, even when I was growing up, the hustle mentality, busy, busy, busy equals success. Mm-hmm. I find it now that more and more of us, especially millennials or Gen Zs are like, no, rest, vacation, <laughs> self-care, you know, they're advocating for that. But I find it that even in your work, you go even deeper than just vacationing and self-love and self-care. You go a little bit deeper into the scientifics of why many times we can't only contribute going to sleep as being fully rested. So of course, today I want to go into all those things with you. And again, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it's my joy. I'm so happy to be here with you. 
Thank you. So as I said, I believe you are an advocate for what I would like to call holistic rest, right? Mm -hmm. Various components to feeling rested besides going to sleep. Although we know sleep is a biological necessity, um, omitting it will slow down our productivity or even our mental awareness or alertness, I should say. In your book, and we'll talk about that as well, Sacred Rest, you mentioned that sleep is not rest, that when you realize in catching up on a lack of sleep during the week still has left you fatigue. So Mm -hmm. how would you explain sleep being different from being fully rested? So the way I look at that is this, you know, sleep is a component of resting. But the way I look at rest is actually dividing it up into the different ways that we can become fatigued. And so if we look at sleep, primarily focusing on the physical aspect of it, then there are ways that we can become fatigued that go beyond just the physical. That's Mm -hmm. where things like mental rest or emotional rest or social rest or creative rest or sensory rest, some of these other areas are going to require something other than simply closing your eyes and laying in a bed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem. So often we think I'm tired, so I must just need to get more sleep. And unfortunately, if your issue, let's say, is a creative rest deficit, meaning you are someone who is thinking outside of the box, you're innovative, you're using creative energy, problem solving. So you're draining that part of yourself, you can lay in bed all day long, you're not going to get more inspired, more motivated, or, or more, you know, encouraged laying in the bed. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to actually pour into the place where you actually have the deficit. So those who put all of their eggs in the sleep basket, they're putting their attention primarily on the passive form of physical rest, and they're omitting all of the other types of rest, including the active form of physical rest. It's like you're only getting like this one eighth of the the big picture. Before we tap in a little bit more, I want to understand in totality, or how can you explain to my audiences, what does it that you exactly do and what brought you into this line of work? So by practice, I'm an internal medicine physician. I'm board certified um, in internal medicine over the past 20 years. I work within both the ER, ICU, and traditional office-based internal medicine practice, which in the town that I live in, that's right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, About 10 years into practicing, I got to a place where I just, I just hit a wall. Um, I was working 50, 60 hours a week. We had just introduced children into my, our family. And so I was a full-time physician and now then also becoming a mom with all these other responsibilities. And I didn't have any type of system in place on how I was going to restore myself or keep myself from being drained with all of the different things that I was doing. Quickly found myself in burnout. And the way I looked at it was I could either stop medicine, which I could not imagine that. I love the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Or I could figure out how do I stay in a stressful situation and still keep joy, still have peace, still feel sane, still feel healthy and not drained all the time. And that's what took me on the journey of really doing the research of what has me so exhausted and how do I get Mm -hmm. restored in that area. Your initial work in medicine didn't start off with the sector of understanding rest. It gradually (laughs) developed. Okay, so that's... No, I I got to care less about rest. If we're going to be in full (laughs) transparency, um, that was the problem. I had no respect for rest. Rest was what weak people did who couldn't keep up with the rest of us who were grinding it out. And so that was the way that I kind of entered into the picture. Uh, You don't become a physician in this day and age by being someone who thinks too much about rest. It's like work, work, then work some more so Mm -hmm. that you can get ahead and stay ahead. But that's not sustainable for the long haul. 
And that's what I think many people have, have learned. You know, we we have a grind culture mentality, but then we find people who have got to a place of success in whatever they were grinding to. And now they can't even enjoy the success that they have obtained because they don't have the harmony between their work and their life. Mm-hmm. It's not work-life balance we're really wanting. We're wanting work-life harmony, which requires times of rest and reflection. Mm-hmm. And if you have a disrespect for rest and reflection, you're going to war against it. And I feel like that's where many people are. They war against the very thing that they actually need to enjoy their life, to actually feel successful. They have the lookings of success without the actual pleasure of success. That is so, oh, I like how you stated that. It reminds me of a influencer, I would say, in the financial literacy sector. And she was saying after she's made millions, money, grinding, showing other women how to reach to that top notch of, you know, financial freedom per se, she realized she still wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. She thought the money would make her happy. And we hear that all the time that, you know, money doesn't make you happy. It doesn't buy you happiness. But she was going beyond that where she was saying she was so exhausted that she felt depleted spiritually and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And she realized no matter the success that she has now gained by, you know, being recognized by news outlets, magazines and so forth, it meant nothing because she felt depleted inside. So basically what you're saying is not that balance that we're finding, but that alignment and harmony. So I I really appreciate you phrasing it that way. What are some ways that as a physician now and researching rest, and now that has become a part of the work that you do, how do you incorporate the elements of rest with your patients? Do you first start off by determining their source of fatigue? Like how do you incorporate it? Yeah, it really depends on the person. Every now and then I actually will meet somebody who who gets it. They 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 have a respect for rest. They have, they've thought about it. They didn't necessarily need any additional support. However, probably about 70% of the people who enter into my practice a part of the issue is their own personal rest deficit. And so that's where the whole restquiz.com assessment came from. Mm-hmm. Um, we started having a lot of people after I share with them about the seven types of rest, the very first question their, or the response would even be, you mean I got to do seven things? <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, no, you probably are doing pretty well in some of these, but let's identify the one or two where you're not doing well in. So right. we can put our attention on improving those areas of deficit. And so restquiz.com was what kind of birthed out of that. To date, we've had over a quarter million people take the assessment to identify the rest deficits and be able to kind of hone in on that. And yeah. it's still what I use to this day with whether it's coaching clients, whether it's companies that have us come in to consult, whether it's you know a, a retreat that I'm leading for a group of executives, because most people need to first identify where is the issue? Because once we identify where the issue is, then it's no, you know, as a physician, it's no different than if someone came into the emergency room and they say, hey, doc, I hurt. I I wouldn't even know what test to order on. I hurt. Right. (laughs) Do I check your leg or your heart? I don't know what to do with that. But people are constantly saying, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Where do you even look to begin to diagnose on I'm tired? Mm -hmm. It's not specific enough. So if we can help people kind of fine tune it, I'm physically tired, I'm mentally, I'm emotionally, I'm socially, whatever it is, then we can actually develop a solution and a plan on how to help them improve. 
I think you're providing also giving individuals the language to use to identify. Because like you said, I could easily say I'm tired, but many times we don't know how to identify in which area that we're really tired. And you mentioned this a lot in your book as well. There are two quotes that you said that I really love. And one of them was, Good quality sleep trickles down from a life well-rested. We may sleep in response to rest, but resting doesn't require us to be in a state of sleep. Sometimes the thought that sleep equals rest is false. Have you ever noticed that with less than six hours of sleep, you can still find yourself rejuvenated? Sleep is a physical activity, but rest penetrates the spirit. We are constantly doing, but we are not being. So I like that you mentioned those two elements because it is true. Like I found myself that sometimes I've only had six or less hours and I'm surprised that when I wake up, I'm not tired. I'm not fatigued. How would you explain that scientifically? Is there a scientific reason that we're always recommended to get eight hours of sleep or even more? But what happens when we do take less than eight hours and we still feel rejuvenated? How, what, does, what is the science behind that? that's the thing, you know, when we look at the average hours, as we say, the average number of hours someone should sleep, we're looking at an average. And so we say the average should be seven to eight hours of sleep. But because that is an average, we look at things in science oftentimes on a bell curve. So you have people who are getting adequate sleep at lesser amounts, you have people who need nine to 10 hours to feel appropriately rested. And a big part of that has to do with a lot of things from your hormone levels to how well you, you know, have set up your sleep environment. Mm. For some of us, our sleep latency, not to go too deep in all of this, but uh, the time it takes for us to actually go to sleep, we're in bed for long periods of time, but we're not actually in a state of sleep, deep sleep for very long. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that a lot of people now have these like aura rings or Fitbits and Garmin's. I mean, there's so Apple watches, there's so many different apps and things out there that you can now look and see how many hours are you in light sleep? How many hours are you in deep sleep? How many hours are you in REM? And the more hours we get in those deeper levels of sleep, the more rested we feel. However, it's harder to get into stage three and four non-REM sleep, that deep level of sleep, because a lot of times our bodies haven't actually kind of wound down enough to even slip over into deeper levels of sleep. So we lay in the bed and the majority of our time in that bed is actually in light sleep. However, if you come into us into the bed already from a place of being rested, your body's not aching, your mind's not racing, you know, you're not thinking all the thoughts and all the things and you're not worried about everything. You're coming in it kind of in a peaceful state, you're going to bypass that light sleep and get into the deeper levels of sleep much quicker. That amount of deeper sleep, if we start approaching like a two hours, hour and a half to two hours of deep sleep, most of us feel rested just from that alone. Mm, I was going to ask about that because I do have the Apple Watch and they do show you core sleep, REM sleep and deep sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So with deep sleep, I usually see that it's maybe 40 to 59 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think there was one time where it was like an hour and a half. Um, And then REM usually could be around an hour or two, maybe less. And then the core is like you said, that light sleep. So are you stating that if we were to better equip our nighttime routine or our bedroom environment, there's a possibility that our deep sleep can go as far as two hours? 
the better, that's the thing. You want to try to improve your deep sleep for as long as you can stay in it. Mm. And because most of us have to get through all the light to even attempt to get to the deep, we spend so much time in the light sleep that by the time our alarms go off, we haven't been able to stay in the deep long enough where we really feel refreshed. When you're able to stay in deep, I always say the goal should be somewhere around like an hour, an hour to an hour and a half up to two hours. Mm. That is the range that the longer you can stay in that pocket, the more rest that you're going to feel. And so that light sleep, some things that improve that, the darker the room, the body, the circadian rhythm, the part of our brain that kind of tells us this is day, this is night, go to sleep, stay awake, uh, is very sensitive to light. And so some of us, our bedrooms are simply too bright. Some of us, the clock in our bedroom that's shining in our face yes. is keeping light in our face. So our, our, you know, your eyelids are only so thin, <laughs> you can actually see light through your eyelids, even though your eyes are closed, your brain is still getting some signals from that, that it's not quite night yet, because it's not dark and uh, dark enough in the room. Um, the other thing is, if you're a woman of certain age, certain temperatures are going to actually keep you from going into deeper levels of sleep um, because our body tends to sleep better in cooler temperatures, right. all of us, regardless of your age. And so making sure that everything from the, the sheets on your bed, you know, if the sheets are, are harder and irritating for some people, even things like the super silky sheets, you know, that are gliding over your skin yeah. <laughs> all night long yeah. can keep them from going into deeper sleep because the really? sensory, the tactile sensory input, although some things your brain will kind of filter out, oftentimes the filtering is the brain still working to filter. And so if there's excessive amount of like touch to whatever it is that's going on in your bedroom, that can add to being unable to sleep. So there's so many different wow. parts of things that can interfere with that. Everything from, you know, some people are more sensitive to watching TV before going to bed. Mm -hmm. You know, if they are watching a movie or reading a book and it's highly like it's highly visual, all the action, all the guns or shooting or whatever it is, horror, whatever it is, if you lay in the bed and you're still thinking about it, it's going to be hard for the brain to, to shut off enough for you to be able to then just go quiet. So we have to kind of evaluate our sleep routine to see, is there something that's keeping me in this light sleep longer than necessary? That makes sense. So now I'm going to give myself an experiment um, to change my, I've tried, we've all been told told change your nighttime routine stay away from your cell phone no tv and sometimes it's difficult but oh, i yeah. would like to give myself and as well as my audience an experiment just for a week if you do have a fitbit um a watch that can monitor your sleep try a nighttime routine for a week and see how far your deep sleep measures. Because mm -hmm. now I want to see how far my deep sleep can go if I can get it to the one hour and a half. And how you hours. feel. And how I feel. Yes. How yeah. you feel when you wake up, when you have longer periods of that deeper, as we call it, restorative, because that's when the sleep is actually more restorative, mm. that deeper restorative sleep where you're not, I like to think going through the routines of sleep where your body's down, but it's not actually out. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just kind of quiet, um, you know, in that light sleep, but it's not actually in that deep state of restorative sleep. And then trying to see what things make a difference. Like mm -hmm. if you, maybe you have your temperature set at 68, I don't know, and you drop it down to 67, do you sleep deeper? Maybe if you have your, your clock where it's the blue light or something and you switch it to the red light or you put it on dim or you face it the opposite direction from you, or you take the whole clock out the room. <laughs> 
all together, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not even in the place altogether. Some different, maybe if you take your cell phone and you charge it in the bed, in the uh, kitchen and you don't have it by your bed where subconsciously you could be overly aware of if notifications go off, sure. just, uh, you know, some start doing some tweaks to see what is it that's actually keeping my system a little on edge so I can't get into deeper levels of sleep. Thank you for tuning into the episode thus far. I want to remind you that She Discovered also has episodes on our YouTube channel, She Discovered Podcast Extension. As you enjoy audio episodes, tune in for further discussions on topics like spirituality, dating, sexuality, and entrepreneurship. And don't forget to click that subscribe button and notification bell to be updated on new released episodes. Finally, if you'd like to donate to the production of this podcast, please check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for being a part of my discoveries and enjoy the rest of the show. So we've been talking about emotional, mental, physical, uh, sensory. I didn't even think about that, that, you know, (laughs) usually when we think about silk satin sheets, it's always reference to like a level of intimacy that you want with uh, whoever you are with in bed or for your own um, pleasure. But I never knew that just by having that touch your skin can also avoid you from going to deep sleep because it's affecting your sensory. Yes. If you're very sensitive to that, some people, none of that makes a hill of beans. They get in the bed and they're out. (laughs) You know, some people can just kind of wind down so much faster than others. And then there's other people who are highly sensitive. You know, we take people, you know, I I work with people from those who are on the spectrum to those who are what they call highly sensitive into HSVs, highly sensitive individuals. And so if you're someone who is just very sensitive to stuff, something as minute as the, you know, a one degree temperature in a room can affect mm-hmm. your ability to sleep. Again, audience, please try this experiment because I will do the same after this episode. So while we're talking about that, can you please break down the seven different types of rest? Can you walk my audience through the different types? And we've mentioned uh, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. So physical, we talked about, it has the two different parts. It has the passive, which was sleeping and napping. And then it has the active component, which are really anything that has to do with how your muscles and your body feels, the circulation, the lymphatics. So things like stretching or massage therapy or leisure walks, things that just help your body to heal by circulating blood flow and lymphatics throughout the body. Um, Then we have mental, which looks at how you are able to shut your brain down or focus your attention so you can concentrate better, so you can get your brain cleared and you're not having the ruminating thoughts at night when you try to go to bed or the busy brain when you try to go to sleep at night. So those activities that help your brain get to a quiet place. So Mm -hmm. that could be meditative practices. If you're someone who meditates, that Mm -hmm. could be lifting weights, you know, which sounds counterintuitive. But for some people, when they're running or lifting weights or anything like that, that is the time when they actually practice mindfulness, because it forces them to deep breathe, forces them to concentrate on one thing, where they're normally concentrating on all the other, you know, all the things at one time. So there's multiple different ways for people to practice mindfulness that isn't just typical meditation type practices. And then things like brain dumps and other ways of kind of clearing your thought processes so that you're able to go to sleep. Spiritual rest specifically deals with, well, it depends on if you have a faith-based system or not. Those with a faith-based system, it deals with how you engage with 
what you feel is kind of the center of your faith-based system. For those who don't have a faith-based system, it deals with, and for everybody, it deals with the feeling of love, feeling as if you belong to something bigger than yourself, the feeling of having purpose and meaning in your life that you're giving back to the greater good. And the benefit that we give out of feeling as if we're part of something bigger than ourselves, whether it's a faith-based situation or a cause that we believe in, but making sure that we have places where we feel we belong. Um, other than that, we have, you mentioned social and um, emotional. Both oh. of those deal with people. So mm-hmm. I oftentimes discuss them together. Emotional rest is the rest we experience when we feel the freedom to be very real and authentic when sharing what we are dealing with with other people. And social are the people in our lives looking at those relationships and evaluating how they're pulling from us. Oftentimes people are negatively pulling from our social energy. They need things from us. They're demanding on our time, our energy, our schedules. Then evaluating who are the people in your life who really don't need anything from you. They're life-giving. They're the people who you just enjoy being around. They're not demanding anything of you. You just get filled up in their presence. They're, they're They're your friends. They're the fun people in your life. And then the final two are sensory and creative. Sensory, as you mentioned, deals with looking at your sensory inputs. So whether that's sound, touch, you know, smell, visual stimuli, what are the sensory inputs in your environment? And how are they affecting you? Because some of the sensory inputs are things that we are feel as if we're ignoring, like maybe it's the phone ringing at your office, you think you're tuning those things out. But in order for them to be tuned out, your brain has to process them and tell you it's not important. Mm -hmm. as well as the time spent on your phones, the notifications, the time spent on social media, all of those things are adding to your sensory input. When we become sensory overwhelmed, it tends to lead to irritation, agitation, rage, or anger. So for some of us at the end of the day, the reason road rage jumps up and we feel more agitated has to do with we are sensory overwhelmed. Our physical bodies start responding to that because it recognizes something has just agitated to the point that it can't take it anymore. Finally, as we mentioned, was creative and creative rest requires is the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to appreciate beauty and whatever form that may be, whether it's natural beauty like the ocean and the mountains and the trees or man-made beauty like art and music and dance and theater and those Mm -hmm. types of things and recognizing that our creative side can be depleted, whether that's, you know, depleted through innovation and problem solving, or it's depleted through if you're a musician creating music or an artist, you know, or a writer doing those type of artistic things. Yeah, all of those are very vital now that we break them down. And I have a couple of thoughts on some of them. So when you mention mental and some of the ruminating thoughts that we have at night. And I hear that oftentimes too, that certain people, when they work out before going to bed, they feel more rested. Like you said, there's a level of meditation that happens, deep breathing that happens. I always thought that I just finished a work a workout. I feel pumped. Maybe I won't you know, want to go to sleep, but I've heard it more often than none that people usually go on the side of if they do work out before they go to bed, they really do sleep deeper. Um, So that's a great thought. But when you mentioned earlier about things that we do before bed, television and so forth, or our social media on our phones. But when I think about reading books, even though it can provide our imagination to go and have visuals, 
I've heard that reading books is more so better than, you know, being on your phone or watching TV. Would you recommend that maybe there are certain books we should not read before going to bed because of the imagination? You know, it depends on the person. Some people are more have a bigger imagination than others. And so if you're someone who you find yourself, if you're what I call a daydreamer, (laughs) You're the person who can kind of when you read a book, it's like you have stepped into a movie in your head. It's no different than watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And then other people can read a book and it's like in one ear out the other. It it does. It just doesn't penetrate them like that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the that's the thing about these different types of rest. Every single person can experience it completely different with the same activities. Okay, I think that's why it's so important for every person to kind of reflect for themselves what works, what doesn't. You know, try a murder mystery and see if you tell if it how you how it engages you. Mm-hmm. You may be able to drift off because it's not penetrating your thoughts that in that way that you take it to bed. Mm-hmm. However, if you start having dreams in the middle of the night about what you just read, right, it went deeper than you thought, thought it yeah. went, and and that's going to keep you in REM cycle longer, which is the active cycle. Yeah, you're not likely going to feel well rested if you have a very long, you know, an extended REM cycle, um, because your legs are moving your body, you know, your your body's active during REM. Right. And when you think of it, sometimes we think REM equals deep because we're dreaming. And but if we think of REM, it's rapid eye movement. Right. (laughs) So now that you think about it and you mention it, it's like, yeah, how deep am I in sleep? If, you know, my eyes is moving, like you said, our body is moving. And some people can say that they can actually hear themselves talking in Mm -hmm. their sleep, depending on what they're dreaming about. So that's very important. Um, With spiritual, I love that you mentioned that because for myself, and discussions that I've had here are faith-based. So for me, it just reminds me of how the creator set aside, even in his word, a time for rest. It's like our creator knew that (laughs) some people will see it as a law, um, something that no longer serves us. But I believe the creator knew for a long haul that no matter where you believe on the spectrum of religion or law or so forth, there's an element of the importance of taking time away from busyness, taking time away from distractions. And I like that even when the pandemic happened, we were able to see that very component that when we weren't busy, when we weren't out on the streets, that they were showing footages of how even the earth started to replenish itself because it had time to rest. You know, so I love that you mentioned that because I think the spiritual component is our core. So because it's our core, it extends to everything else. And um, emotional and social, when you brought that up and you said that removing people of negativity, it just reminds me of boundaries. I think that's another thing that we're beginning to learn now is how to have boundaries. And sometimes we feel guilty for it, Mm -hmm. um, telling people no and so forth. But I've learned that if we've developed the power of no in a discerning, wise manner, then yeah, you're right. I think that there'll be probably less triggers that may happen amongst us, probably even the element of us being able to say yes to our needs mm-hmm. um, first. So I think boundaries also is is a good component when you mention about emotional and social. Last thing, when you said sensory about sounds, we usually hear also to spend time before going to bed and playing music. I love playing ocean sounds and nature sounds because I've realized that sometimes even taking a bath or in the shower 
it's like my mind goes into a creative state where my thoughts run more freely. And I realize it's because I've removed all distractions and maybe the sound of the water in the shower has been enabling us. So I really appreciate all the different types of rest that you've mentioned, because again, holistically, it makes sense. I wanted to ask you, what are ways we can restore these areas if we haven't mentioned already? How do we identify the ones that are really in need of restoration? I know you mentioned your quiz as well. But is there any additional ways that we can restore these elements that may have been de- depleted? So as far as um, first with the identifying the different areas um, outside of restquiz.com would be looking at how you use energy the prior days. So let's say, for instance, you know, if you're whatever your job normally is, if during that week at work, there was a lot of issues going on and you were having to solve a lot of problems and come up with a lot of new ideas or you're brainstorming out a new whatever it is your company's doing, you're using, you know that you're using a lot of creative energy. So then evaluate, did I do anything to restore the energy that I use? Right. Because if it's a bucket and you're pouring out of it, what did you do to pour back into it? Mm -hmm. Same with any of the types of rest, physical, mental, you know, any of them. Um, If it was a particularly emotionally stressful time, maybe you were using a lot of what I call emotional labor. You were having to be the support system for your family or be the support system for whomever, you know, it is that you're, you're with. And you don't have anybody that you felt where you could share your true feelings. So if you've been the one who's been carrying the emotional labor, then you would recognize that, okay, that's an area that I'm likely deficient in because I'm the one carrying all the emotional labor of this broken relationship or this whatever it is. Just taking a moment to do kind of a, a backwards glance at where did I use energy? And have I done something to fill that part back up? That's just a very simple way to kind of do a, a quick analysis of, um, you know, if you start feeling tired and you're like, okay, what what is this? You know, what's causing it? Um, and for each type of rest, there's, you know, multiple different strategies. That's what we talk about in the book, Sacred Rest, mm-hmm. is, you know, every type of rest, we give specific strategies on ways of getting rest in that a- area, whether it's, um, let's say, sensory rest, and you're going to turn off the notifications on your phone, except for your text messages and your actual phone, you're going to you can keep the social media apps on there, but you're going to make a conscious choice when you go into the apps rather than just letting them push you notifications when they feel like it or Maybe you're going to time block certain activities that are stressful for you so that instead of going in and out of your inbox all day, you Mm -hmm. have specific times that you go in your inbox so that you're not kind of multitasking and putting tension on your energy in that in that particular way. So lots of different, you know, depending on the type of rest, lots of different ways to to approach it and then see which ones actually work for you. In the book, you mentioned the concept of time theft. What does this term mean and how can individuals reclaim their time to prioritize rest and rejuvenation? I think there's a lot. Everyone says I don't have time. I don't have time to rest. You've probably heard things like I'll rest when I die, which is really too late (laughs) to make the decision to rest. And so, you know, there's time we have, everybody has the same amount of time. We often don't actually look at how to make the best use of our time. And so when we're thinking about rest, I think many people think I got to carve out like this weekend sabbatical or this, you know, big long block of time that I'm going to take a rest break. 
the work that we do primarily now that we do within inside companies and organizations is helping people understand how to use the time they have to do restorative activities in the middle of their busy day, not trying to wait for a vacation, not trying to put it off for the sabbatical or whatever it is that you're or the weekend. Because when you put it off, you go in these cycles of I'm going to get fully depleted, then I'm going to tank up. Then I'm going to get fully depleted. Then I'm going to tank up. That's a miserable life. And so we have to start looking at how do we incorporate rest in small chunks throughout our week so that we stay continuously pouring out, which is part of what we do in work, but we also are continuously being restored in the process as well. I'm just reflecting right now because it's really hitting home for me where I think we do that a lot to ourselves, like you said, we go, 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 go. And it's like, okay, I have a vacation coming up or go, go, go. All right. Uh, When the weekend comes and sometimes some of us, the weekend usually means like maybe a Sunday afternoon and doesn't really mean like the full weekend that you were able to. But for me personally, I've found times where I was exhausted and I could identify it wasn't only physical, it was emotional and mental. So I felt, well, let me go away. Like you said, let me go on a vacation. Let me have self-care time, downtime. And I didn't have the tools to restore what I was feeling. So I went on this vacation, spent money for hotel and activities only to come back feeling the exact same way. And I realized that it was because I didn't have the tools or maybe the awareness to really pinpoint where it was coming from. I knew it wasn't just physical, but didn't know where to tackle. And now you mentioning If we do it throughout the week, we probably will find ourselves more rejuvenated than waiting till we're fully depleted. Mm -hmm. I think that's the benefit of when you understand the process of continuous restoration is that you actually are able to show up in the fullness of who you are. And you're not just showing up giving from your emptiness. That's where a lot of people are. They're what I call functional burnouts. You know, the World Health Organization defined burnout as three things. You're tired all the time you no longer find joy in the work that you do. And the work you actually do is of less lesser capacity and capability of what you could do if you were fully restored. And I think that's where a lot of people are living. So they're giving from their place of emptiness and depletion. And so once they're able to talk, to really recognize if I allow myself to be to have moments of restoration throughout my life, not just on the vacation and the me days, but throughout the week, I'm I'm finding times to pour into one or two of these seven areas, then I'm able to give of myself into the world at a greater capacity. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happier when I'm at my job, I'm happier when I'm doing whatever my calling and purpose is. And And you don't get to this place where you're just it's just work without any value behind it. That is awesome. Thank you so much. So to wrap up, how can my listeners get more information and get in contact with you via your website, social media, or even your books? So the book again is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. It's available wherever books are sold on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and all the places. Um, I do have a podcast, I Choose My Best Life and a website that's of the same name, I Choose My Best Life.com. That connects you to all of the things that I do, uh, including from coaching to speaking and everything in between. And your social media? Uh, it's just Dr. Dalton Smith. So it's Dr. Dalton Smith. 
them. Well, again, Dr. Smith, thank you for all the information that you've given to us today. I really pray that my audience are able to get gems, even for myself. I feel like I've gotten reflective just listening to the things that you mentioned today. So again, audience, I hope as always that you've discovered your own gems in this episode. And please tune in for the next episode of She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.